This is a special feature from Overdrive. And now, here's our broadcast. Hi, I'm Todd Dills. And as we reported uh, early this, uh, this this past month here, uh, the story of uh, Kenny Capel, uh, driver, has made the rounds of various forums and some news outlets since it began in April of last year. Capel was forced awake during a routine stop at the Northbound Scale in Ringgold, Georgia, while he was on mandated sleeper period rest and his co-driver and wife, Nikki, was at the wheel. The officer in question had done the same just weeks before while Kenny was also asleep uh, on a dedicated round that uh, brought them past the scale uh, pretty routinely. Uh, and, you know, at that point, in that, that first encounter with the officer, Capel had complied with the request for identification. But the second time, um, given the problems they'd had uh, with hours, um, with, with him having to come back on duty during that, uh, that first stop, uh, on the last round, uh, the, the second time around, Capel refused to comply with the, uh, the request for identification, uh, the interruption to his rest period. And he was then booked on uh, obstruction of justice charges. And uh, in, in, the, in the weeks since uh, we've uh, put out that reporting, uh, Capel's received you know, official confirmation that uh, his case was dismissed by the state of Georgia. And uh, we got, uh, got on the phone with him to talk a little bit about... Uh, about how things have been going uh, over, the, over the course of the, the last several weeks uh, and some of the reactions to uh, to his case, as well as, uh, you know, just some about what, his, uh, what the plans are for his business. Now, he was a leased owner-operator uh, with, with his wife uh, at the time of the stop and the case uh, beginning. And then uh, now he's kind of off the road for the moment, biding his time with the 2003 uh, Freightliner Columbia eight miles to the gallon at uh, 72 miles per hour he says uh, powered by Detroit uh, and uh, working on getting his own authority and uh, the two uh, Nikki and uh, Kenny will go, be going out uh, as independent owner operators uh, we started the talk uh, just kind of revisiting the uh, the first incident I think it was in March of last year uh, when they were stopped and uh, it started out with uh, you know an hour's Hours of service uh, question uh, that the two were running uh, people net wallets, electronic wallets, and uh, you know, the, the violation uh, that the officer seemed uh, uh, bent on issuing uh, was you know, there was some dispute over that between Nikki driving and the officer, and then uh, and then we'll, we'll just pick up the story from there in Kenny's words. We had a dedicated run leaving Belton, Georgia. We pick up carpet in Belton, Georgia, and then go up to. Florence, Kentucky, meet another driver, swap trailers with them, come back down here, and deliver that load on the way back down to GE Lighting in, in uh, Tennessee here, and then go back down and with an empty trailer and do a load of carpet again, go back up, meet another driver five nights a week. So we were going through this scale on a regular basis five nights a week. And we would always scale out there at the pilot truck stop right there in Dalton, Georgia, before we would go northbound to the scale house, which wasn't, was not very far at all from from the pilot truck stop to the scale house. Right. They, uh, they got to know the truck pretty good, you know, but they, you know, norm, normally we would get green lights and with the, with the pre-pass and just go on by or they would be closed and every once in a while they'd be open and just run us across and we usually get the bypass, but this particular evening, uh, the first incident we had, she pulled my wife around back, had her sitting on the scale. She came outside and asked to see the logbook. 
we were running PeopleNet at the time, and PeopleNet, if you go two miles, it automatically puts you on a duty status. So it's not like you're not on a duty status. You know, if you move two miles, you're on the duty status. Right. And uh, she specifically asked my wife for the logbook summary. So my wife shows her the logbook summary. Then she asks for my logbook summary. So my wife switches out, goes to mine, pulls mine up, gives her my logbook summary, and then writes her a three-point CSA violation for not having a current duty at time of stop, which at time we did have a current duty status at the time of stop, but yet she still wrote that ticket. Hmm. So she was kind of playing word games with us on a way for her to write a ticket. Then she asked my wife for my CDL, and I'm in the back of four and a half hours in the sleeper the first time, and I hear her, my wife, arguing with this officer about my uh, driver's license. And my wife says, well, what do you want it for? And, and she tells my wife, well, I just want to see if he's got any warrants. Well, that's kind of like fishing, you know. You, there's no probable cause. There was no reason for her to have my ID. You know, the CSA points do not go against me on that inspection report, so why even put my name or bother me, you know? Right, sure. My wife was told to pull over and park and bring in all the paperwork, and so she asked me where my license was. It was down there, and she got it, went inside, got her ticket, came back out, and gave me my license back and told me that Leah Parsons, the uh, the arresting officer, the one that just gave my wife that ticket, yeah, the DOT officer there at the scale house, told me not to log it in my logbook. Well, here's my name on the inspection report along with right. my wife's name, you know, so what do you do if you... If you don't log it and you have an accident later and prosecuting attorney gets a hold of all the information he can get a hold of, he's got me for falsifying a logbook because I have, I have my name on this inspection report. I ended up having to reset my 10-hour sleeper berth, which ended up making the load late. The second time we went through there, um, kind of the same scenario, her and my wife are arguing again, and, and I hear her tell my wife, have you ever heard of obstruction of justice? And at that point, I realized, yeah, she, my wife had told me she wasn't going to give me, give her the license. Oh, and I heard her say, you know, have you ever heard of the term obstruction of justice? And I knew right then somebody was fixing to go to jail. So I just flat refused to give her my ID so that, you know, if anybody was going to go to jail, it would be me because my wife had enough time to get the load delivered, but she wouldn't have enough time to get it down. So the second, so the second, yeah, that second uh, instance was just a few weeks after the uh, first one, correct? Or just a couple of weeks, right? Correct. Correct. Within like 15 days or so, yeah. Yeah. Had you thought much about that first encounter uh, between uh, on those two weeks? I mean, what, uh, what led, was it, was it, or was it like you described just kind of a, you know, a sort of a snap decision to, to make sure that, uh, you know, that, that you were the one that, that goes to jail, not your wife in this case? Um, to to withhold the CEO, or or is there or was there bigger you know sort of reasoning behind uh, not complying with this request at this point? Well, the second time I decided that I was going to go inside and ask her point blank what probable cause she had to demand my ID, and the reason I wanted to go inside the scale house because 
just about every scout house across country has has cameras inside of them. And I knew that by going inside and doing that, she would have to give me some sort of reason or decide to take me to jail, at which either case she decided to do, it would be on camera. And that I could do a Freedom of Information Act request and have that information complained to her supervisor. Well, I had already complained to her supervisor, Sergeant King, and uh, when I complained to him on the phone about her disturbing my sleep time and explained to him that you know it was a violation of the Hobbs Act, he got rather upset with me and was like, "I don't know what kind of Yahoo lawyer you're talking with," but you know, and I hadn't talked to a lawyer, but he could damn well ID anybody he wanted to, and he slammed the phone down. Yeah, that's kind of what made me decide the second time that when we went through there, I was not going to give up my CDL, and they were going to have to take me to jail. So ultimately, you know, you case was dismissed after, uh, and I guess clearly there's there's some internal process in Georgia going on there where they realize they don't, uh, they're definitely they're probably in the wrong here, and or at the very least they realize they don't have any kind of uh, case on you. Um, right. What what do you, what do you think others should take from this? Um, talking to talking to drivers, and what um, how big of a problem is is the the whole uh, is the team driver being woken up in the sleeper by the scale house? Well, it's it's happened to me before in uh, Missouri, where my brother-in-law was driving, and I had almost nine hours in the sleeper at that point in time. I had to reset my sleeper berth. My brother-in-law and my dad had it happen to him in Arizona. A friend of mine and his wife had it happen to him in, um, oh, where was that? Um, it was in Kentucky. So this is not an isolated incident. This is stuff that's been going on for quite a while, and if some lawyer really wanted to get a hold of this, all they would have to do is subpoena those inspection reports that have two drivers' names on them, and he could have field day with this. But, you know, it's it's happening all over, and most people are just going, okay, I don't have to log it, and they're not logging it. Well, the whole fact of the matter is, if you ever went to court and, you know, the, they were prosecuting you for any reason whatsoever at all, if you don't log it, you're falsifying your logbook because you are on that inspection report. That and is still not, on status. And if you're not following the, you know, the exact letter of the... Of the hours law in this day and age, prosecuting uh, attorneys have sealed days with that, of course, and that affects litigation. Exactly. I, I often get uh, drivers and have conversations with talk about how law enforcement and uh, trucking relationship used to be uh, a lot better uh, than it is today. Would, would you agree with that? How has it changed? Oh, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Um, they used to they they'd go to the some of the same truck stops and stuff and sit with us and talk with us and things like that. And now it's mm -hmm. you know the group is over there and they don't want to have anything to do with you. You know and used to back in the day they had CBs in their cars and you know of course the way CBs are nowadays there's too many CB Rambo's out there. But it used to you carry on decent conversations and lots of times at night. Running across Texas, I can remember talking to police officers that were out there, and they just tell us, you know, once you get out of town, take it easy. <laughs> so they, you know, they they were 
a lot nicer to you because they understood you had a job to do as well. You know, and the way things are nowadays is, you know, I don't know if she was out looking to make a name for herself or what, but, you know, even her supervisor was like, oh, we can ID anybody we please, you know, and that to me was like, well, you're you're causing us to make our loads late, and that's not right to us. Yeah. And waking you so, up. <laughs> yeah, you know. You're 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 violating the rules you're supposed to be enforcing here. So you know what something's got to give, and that was my biggest reason for deciding to go to jail was because how else are you going to get attention on this? There's no other way other than to go to court over it. So what's next for you in this uh, in this arena, or are you just you know? Uh, I guess uh, I guess we're not. Uh, you didn't get your day in court, but uh, there is always course to or public opinion. This is this is the biggest thing right here. I'm going to have a hard time finding a lawyer to go after them. So I'm pretty much done with that idea. I'm not going to go after them as far as that goes because hardly any lawyers now want to sue the police. That's just not something they want to do. The biggest thing that I would like to see come out of this is that it get enough attention through the media or other websites or whatever that they make a change in the law where they make the officers have to go through training not to wake up the co-drivers and to actually respect the sanctity of sleep such you know like the the letter that was written by James Lamb you know that's that's what i see would be the best scenario out of the whole ordeal is for it to stop nationwide because it is a problem most of your accidents and stuff are due to driver fatigue and let me tell you once you get woken up by an officer like I did more than once, this happened to me three times, twice by the same officer, it's not easy to go back to sleep because you're a little upset that it happened. <laughs> Why did he put my name on that inspection report, you know? I didn't do anything. I was doing my job. You know, yeah, it, it makes it hard to, hard to go back to sleep. And there's a lot of trucking companies out here that are small that don't have 24-hour dispatch. And... Where I was leased to at the time did not have 24-hour dispatch. I couldn't get a hold of somebody at, you know, 1, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, what do you do, you know? It's, you know, I use my judgment on what I've learned in trucking throughout my life. Plus, my mother was a court reporter, and I've heard thousands of cases where she's, you know, having to type up the transcripts where just the little technical things get people in lots of trouble you know i did the only thing i felt i should do was, was to log it every time it ever happened to me <laughs>